Yes, sir. It's I, the one and only Marcoil Fripp Owens. And you know we're all about the boom here on the Boom of Us podcast. Today, we're lucky enough to have another one of the great goats in the industry, my guy JP Acosta. How you feeling today, JP? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back on. Uh, this is exciting. I, I was excited when you uh, pitched it to me. I'm excited to be back on. I'm ready to talk some ball. Yes, sir, man. So I guess before we get started, I got to do you like I've done everybody else that has got on the pod. I, it's it's kind of like a, a intro at this point. But I, a few months ago, I released a piece where it basically it was like an introduction to the draft list so what people could expect and everything. But before we got into what people could expect, it was kind of me going into my own spiel of how did I get into this industry? What made me love not just football, but scouting players. Like, how did I get from point A to point B, basically? So everybody that I have on, I like asking them exactly what made them get into the industry. Was it a specific game? Was it a specific moment in your life where you was like, hey, I could do this? What, what got you into this, man? So I don't think it was a specific moment that I point back to where I'm like, man, I got to get into this industry. It's more just this has been something that I've been doing my entire life. I have... My dad and mom always tell a story. I used to run around with a football since I was like three years old. I would be drawing football plays in my notebook instead of taking notes in school. My mom would get mad because I'm up there drawing notes in my bed when I should be asleep, drawing, drawing football plays in there. But this has been something I've always wanted to do. I played football growing up, played in high school, tried to walk on at Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin said I was a good long snapper. I thought that was gonna be, was gonna be my ticket, and then I didn't make the team. I'm like, you know what? I think this is good. I think this is the end, and I'm fine with that. So, I went from there to doing radio, doing anything that that could get with sports applied to Big Cat Country at SB Nation, talking about the Jaguars, and from there it went from Big Cat Country to Northwestern to Football Outsiders to now I'm at the main page of SB Nation where I'm covering the draft, covering the NFL, college football. Really, for me, I just I just love football. I love any level, any time, anytime there's football playing around. I'll, I'll see little kids out there playing uh, Moss, and I'm like, man, that looks really fun. I'm not going to join because I'm 22 years old. I'm not going to jump in on some 10-year-old uh, Moss game, but that looks really fun. It's something I've always loved, and I'm lucky to get the chance to talk about it. Oh, trust me, brother. When I tell you I understand, I understand. Every Thanksgiving when we go to my grandmother's house, I am the local RG3. Mm -hmm. I'm the runner. I can throw it permanent quarterback. All the kids mm -hmm. love when the quail come around. Like, oh, yeah, we got our quarterback. You want to play football? Mm -hmm. And that, that like, like you said, I love the game, man. Anything to, to stay in it. stay. I mean, I didn't get the Lane Kiffin point of approval but I know me personally I remember when just in general playing ball back in high school man and it was just like dang walking through the locker room like ah, I miss this feeling mm -hmm. I miss getting dressed for the games being in the locker room going through the warm up lines all the things that you used to complain about when it was time to do like gosh and you just sit there and you look at everybody doing it as you drive by nine days, like, oh, the good old days. Mm -hmm. I just wish. Yep. Whenever I go out to, like, when I went out to the Senior Bowl or I go watch practices or something, I'm like, man, I miss being out there. I miss practice. I used to hate practice because we would just be going full speed, full contact for no reason. I'm like, dog, we got a game on Friday. Why are we <laughs> doing this? But now looking back on it, I'm like, man, I miss those days. <laughs> I miss getting hit i miss hitting people and it's something that you just you just never really get rid of that itch with football and it's something i've learned to manifest not only in my writing but whatever i do when it comes to football it's something that passion for the game just never goes away so have you ever thought about getting into coaching at any point yeah i have i've i've thought about getting into coaching um of course i live in florida football is basically religion here so I'm, I'm still thinking about it. My uh, youngest brother 
is going into high school. He asks me all the time about training videos or stuff that he can be doing that start because he's going to start playing football this year. He's got a little agility ladder, so I'm basically like his personal trainer. Whenever I come down to visit, he's asked me to run through ladder drills, and I'm like, okay, man, I, I see the game here. You're going to eventually have to pay me for this. Like, I can't <laughs> but I see the game. But that's something I've definitely thought about. That's absolutely hilarious. It actually reminds me, I guess we could take this into a little bit of what we got going for today in terms of our prospects. But it kind of reminded me when I was doing my research and looking into guys. And I, I got to Tredavious Hodges Thomason, Trayvon Hodges Thomason, excuse me. And of course, we all know that's the nephew of the great Damian Thomason. But LT was talking about how basically ever since he was a freshman, even a little bit before that, he kept coming to him like, I bet you I could beat you in races and all that. And eventually it got to a point where he was like, hey, hey, uh, can you train me? I want to be ready for what I see at the next level, all that when he was in high school. And he said the first time, I think it was summer of his freshman year, he took him to basically an NFL workout, his type of workout that he'd be doing, grueling type of stuff. And he said <laughs> after the workout, he got through it, but after the workout, he threw up so much. He was like, yeah, his ass ain't coming back. So when he <laughs> called him the next year, he was like, oh, he might be for real with this. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's. Something where you get that itch, you no matter what gets thrown at you, you're going to keep coming back. And that's something that I'll always tell my brothers. I'll tell people who ask me about playing football. If you if you really, really want to do this, you get that itch for the first time. Nothing's going to stop you from going back. So I guess we can get into a little bit of what we're here for today. Is I like I guess we all like to say no one likes to toot their own horn or anything or that measure, but. Today is the day you toot your own horn. We didn't had it's it's April, it's draft month. We're excited. We've been looking into these kids for if you kind of had work to do like I did with the birds, you, you kind of got into a party a little late. Luckily for me, I, I do this for a living, so I kind of got it on early. But some people got in during the beginning of the college football season, some people at the end of the NFL season when draft season kicked off. But we've had a few months to look at these kids now, and it's kind of like crossing our T's, dotting our I's. Everybody should have their guys, or the, the my guys, for lack of a better term. So that's what this episode is about, man. Talk to me, JP. I guess we could break it down in days, so we ain't all over the place. So in day one, do you have any specific my guys that you like you pound the table for? So I don't know if this is gonna be a little bit of cheating because I think he's gonna go day two, but I would take him day one, and that is BJ Ujulari, edge rusher from Ooh. LSU. And I think his skill, his special, what makes him special is something that you don't really see in this year's draft class at edge rusher. You got a lot of I think we've transitioned as a college football as going into the NFL and how the NFL always evolves is we've transitioned from tweeners being edge rushers who used to be linebackers to tweeners who were defensive tackles. And now they're out on the edge. you got a lot of guys who are built to be crashers and stunters on loops and win with power and bull rush. That's not BJ Ojolari. He's probably 6'2", 240, 242 maybe, maybe even lighter. I might be a little generous, but what he does is he wins with bend. He's got natural pass rush talent. His brother is Aziz Ojulari, obviously plays for the Giants. He's very similar in a way, but I think he has more bend and flexibility. And you can tell that he knows he is a professional pass rusher. I think the way that he uses his hands, the way he complements his speed and counter moves, that is a guy I will take on any day of the week because he just knows how to get to the quarterback. I think you have a lot of runway when it comes to a run defender and consistently defending against the run. But if you just want a guy who can turn up your pass rush on your team, that's the guy I would go after, especially in the mid to late first round. I would take him over a few of the guys who are probably a little bigger, a little stronger athletically, but don't have the necessary pass rush chops right now. I would take B.J. Ojolari over those guys. I completely understand what you're saying, man. And, I like to – I don't want to say necessarily compare, compare them side by side because, of course, they're two different classes. But I get to a point in 
evaluating the players, then I'm saying, okay, let's see how you match up with some of the guys that I had the challenge to scout last year, some of the previous years. And it's so easy to compare him to his brother because his brother, I feel like he would have been drafted much higher than he was if he didn't have his knee problems. He's yep. natural pass rusher, natural pass rusher. But when I watch him, at least just dating back to most recently, I look back to last year and I look at a guy like, I mean, I kind of like what he does, what BJ does a little bit more run support than this guy. But I got like Arnold Abiketti, who you yeah. come into his league and in terms of a pass rusher, Oh, I got a plethora of moves. And again, like you said, the thing about BJ versus some of these other guys, like I think of a guy at the top of the draft, like Tyree Wilson, I was talking about him earlier where, man, his ceiling is so massive. He has the chance to be really freaking good, really freaking good. But then when you talk about a floor, it's like, okay, so where do we start at? I mean, first and foremost, I know where we start at. I need you to develop a, a pass rushing move other than get your ass out of my way and it just <laughs> runs through opponent. Because, I mean, yeah, it works now when you're the best athlete on the field, but sooner and later you're going to start running to some of these offensive tackles with really good bases, who are technically sound, and they're they not going to have none of that, basically. So you got to be able to develop a secondary move. And when you think about a guy like BJ, he has an entire package, honestly. Like, I'm surprised he isn't getting more round one buzz. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know why I'm, not, I'm surprised. It gives me another uh chance to ramp on what I've been ramping on all the other episodes. Haha, I'm getting another day closer to my goal of saying in every episode. But uh, this is why I, me personally, I'm a tapes over traits type of guy. I understand there are some people who are traits over tape, and that's where we end up with guys like Tyree Wilson. I mean, Ty, yeah, Tyree Wilson, Quentin Johnston, Christian Gonzalez, all of these really freak athletes, for lack of a better term, at the top of their positions because people can see it, they can envision what these guys could potentially be. Me personally, yeah, I feel what you could potentially be, but I need some good football players today. So, yeah. and a guy like B.J. Ojolari, I feel like even if it is bringing him a little bit along in terms of uh, in run support, even though, like I said, I like a little bit more than what he did than a guy like Arnold Abiketti. What he performs at, how, what he can bring along as a pass rusher is more than a rotational guy. He he fits in this league. Yeah, and I think you look at teams kind of like the Chargers. You think of a team like Philly, who in the back end of the first round, hey, you got two guys already who can play on the early downs. You get a guy like B.J. Ojolari in there, you can instantly turn up your pass rush. You can instantly get a lot better in the pass rush department. You get more pressures. You get more sacks. Because that's what he does. That is what That is what he knows. You get him into your program. You get him developed as a run defender, you potentially have something there as a three-down game wrecker of a player. Definitely, man. I, I can certainly see the vision. I can see why you said you were cheating. Me, personally, I'm going to save my cheating for the second day because <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide which one of these two guys I was going to go for. But I, this... Damn, I might have to switch. See, this this scenario is pretty hard when you're talk, talking about what guys you love in this class. I guess I, I have to go with Zay Flowers for round one, for, for the first day. Me, personally, I love Zay Flowers. I tweeted this the other day. My heart says wide receiver one. My head says wide receiver four. I feel like, not even I feel like, I just finalized my, my positional rankings and currently I have him listed as my wide receiver three, as I expected like somewhere in the middle of all that, basically. So, like, Zay is so polarizing because you, you look at him, you see a 5'9", 182 pounds, and it's like, it's a little guy. I guess how I personally see it is, so what are you expecting to get out of this? I understand that it's early in the draft and positional value, all things of that great nature. I'm big on all that. At the same time, you got to understand what you're reaching your hand in the basket for. You're not reaching your hand in the basket and expecting to come away with a grand prize because that's just not what it's in this class in terms of the wide receiver position. You got flavors here. So yeah. when you talk about Zay Flowers and you talk about what he brings to the table compared to a lot of his peers, I personally am more comfortable, I guess, because I have Jordan Addison as wide receiver one, Jackson Smith as Jacob as wide receiver two. It probably will be flipped if Jackson played more, but Jordan Addison – 
Jackson Smith and Jake only has 88 career snaps on the outside. Justin uh, Jordan Addison showed me what I needed to see this year at LSU, I mean at USC. So that that's the difference between them two. But with they is he shows me a little bit of everything of what I want to see at every level. And they get it makes me mad when I hear some of the guys and these big platforms like ESPN to some of these natures that just basically label him as the screen guy, jet sweep, gadget player. Because that's what he was early in his time at Boston College. But once he got the chance to, like, once they said, hey, Zay, come get into this offense, he showed, hey, you want me to perform in a slot? I can work from the slot. You want me to perform from the outside? I can work from the outside. He ended up becoming Boston College's all-time leader in yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Averaged over 13 yards per catch in all four of his seasons. And that's just being general and nice because – when he was viewed as that little jet sweep and deep threat guy, he was much higher earlier in his career. Once they allowed him to do everything in his last year, that that average went about down to 13. So I ain't really knocking it anything. It, it just basically shows how he's able to impact the game at all three levels. I don't think he's getting the credit that he deserves or how he can impact the game. I see him keep being linked to the New England Patriots. And it's, it's, at this point, I'm ready to go send my ticket in like the Patriots oh, yeah. kicking in round one. Yeah, and the thing that I keep thinking of when I watch Safe Flowers is juice. That is something. Um, so when Urban Meyer's back at Ohio State, he had this thing. I remember watching the uh, the old two a days segments yeah. they'd have on college uh, ESPNU. Where they'd follow around college teams. I used to love those. And one of the, they had Ohio State, and he talked about players who had juice. Zay Flowers has got juice. He is a guy who can get north north south. He goes zero to sixty in real quick time and that's somebody who i want on my team that's somebody if you need someone to stretch the field zay flowers can do that but i also think he's not just a deep threat guy he's not just a one route you only got him on there to run deep and run fast that's not what he does i think he also is a little more savvy over the middle than you would think a 5'9 182 pound receiver is he kind of stylistically reminds me of a guy like ty hilton in where I think he can be a really good wide receiver too. I don't think he'll ever be a true wide receiver one, but I think that's true for a lot of the receivers in this class. I think there are a lot of really good wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes in this class. I don't know if we get a true wide receiver one. Like it's really hard to be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. You're not going to get those guys every year, but this class has a lot of guys who I think will carve out good careers for themselves in the NFL that's just being real good wide receiver twos. Like a guy you brought up, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver too. That is a guy who can win at every level, create separation. Jordan Addison, real good wide receiver too. And I think Zay Flowers is just right there with them. I think his speed and his ability to create after the catch is really, really crucial for an offense who needs who needs some burst. Definitely, man. It's like I. I try to start from beginning to end when I watch players like early in your career, progressively into the end. And I remember watching Zay, and the first thing I wrote was, okay, he can run some routes. And then I came back a little later, was like, oh, he can really run some routes. (laughs) And then I came back by the time I got to, I know, but at what time he sold me, it was his last year there. It was the game against Syracuse, and he ran this zig route where, oh, my goodness, zig route, whip route, whatever you some people relate to it as, oh, my goodness, the way he ran that route, I said, that's an NFL player right there. Those the routes where you sit here and like, okay, like, can you impact the game everywhere? Like, how good of a route runner are you? No false steps. Can you manhandle, leverage? All the things you need to see from him, you, you got from him right there. And I'm like, oh, okay. He maybe can be really good, like really good. And of course, like you said, there's no wide receiver. I don't believe there are any wide receiver ones in this class. I mean, there are a few guys who have the potential to be, but even then, like I said, I'm a tape over traits kind of guy. I'm not really into the whole what you have the potential to be. I, I'm trying to figure out what how I can use you currently and then progress into how to get you better. And with some guys, like a guy that comes in mind just at the top is Quentin Johnson where I see everybody, I, I can understand why everybody falls in love with the, the, the traits. He is a massive wide receiver. He's built like an X wide receiver. That's, that's him. But then when you watch the tape and it's like, 
how I put it is he, he leaves so much meat on the bone. It's so much left to be desired that I I got into watching them and then I did some research on them and I heard his wide receiver coach Malcolm Kelly say basically what you would think is supposed to be his best trait is his worst trait in terms of his aggressiveness with a ball in the air. He He's so damn big that you would think that <laughs> when you get up there, it's supposed to be my ball and nobody else's, but he gets up there like, okay, go ahead and fall in the bread basket. And if you got met, if you got reps like the one against Oklahoma State where you're going to win because you're just overly athletic than everybody else. You jump higher than everybody else, and they can't do that, so it works. But then when you talk about playing in the, the next level and you get matched up with some of these physical cornerbacks, the people who they don't wait for the ball to come down, they go attack it in the air. A lot of those completions that he had are going to be incompletions. And, I mean, right now your best trait is supposed to be you as a deep threat while we're getting everything else developed. So I, I guess that's kind of what turns me off about him. But I actually think Quentin Johnson's a very interesting receiver. I have him as my fourth wide receiver. Same. I think what he does well, you don't expect from a guy who's 6'2, 206 to 210. He is a yak, he is a screens, deep ball, jet sweep, get him over the middle. I think I actually think he's a very nuanced route runner, like over the middle. He knows how to find space, but his drop rate is really alarming for a guy who is supposed to be this above-the-rim receiver. He he catches every pass like a punt, and that yeah. kind of scares me a little bit because you see, like like you said, the Oklahoma State play where he's jumping over two defenders, but he's catching the ball like a punt. And I'm wondering, like, hey, man, you, you could probably, like, extend those arms a little bit, catch the ball like that. And you see it come up on routine catches. Like, he'll run a curl, and he's catching the ball with his chest. And that's something a little that alarms me a little bit about him. I think – that can be coached. Of course, that can be coached, but the drop rate has reflected that. And that's something like, hey, I I know what you can become, but you're not there right now. I'll still draft you off of what you can become. I think what I do when it comes to draft prospects is I know what you are now, and that's gonna that's gonna help you year one. But mm-hmm. I'm drafting you off of what you can become. I think for a guy like Quentin Johnston. You have a guy who can become, again, a very, very good wide receiver, too. Is he there yet? I don't think so, but that's something you – he can become that. But I'm just I'm, – I'm really scared off by that drop rate for a guy that big. I guess how I, what I told myself earlier, and I wouldn't even say the draft process. I said this during the regular season, during the college football season, watching Quentin Johnston. And I told myself, you're either going to get Kevin White – or C.D. Lamb, and it won't be an in-between, you're just going to get one or the other. And Landon Spat is going to play a massive spot in that, but, oh, my goodness. Like, he – I feel like in, uh, for him to be generally successful in, in year one at least, and maybe hopefully we can continue to bring you along – he has to be used similar to how Seattle uses DK. Seattle doesn't ask DK to do a lot of what he's uncomfortable with. We're going to keep letting you run the same four or five routes you ran at Ole Miss because that's what we needed for our offense. If he can land in a spot like that where he can continue to grow, because, I mean, again, I feel like there's room for growth. He started off as a Z receiver. Before they hired Sonny Dykes, he was pure Z receiver. Sonny got hired, and he moved him over to the X. Like, you too good to be used over there. We need you right here. So, again, I feel like he's a willing learner. He's teachable. It's just landing spot is going to be oh so important for him. He he can't – I don't think he has to be in a spot. He should be in a spot where he's coming in and being the guy early. Like, I see some people mocking him to Houston to be the wide receiver one for whoever the quarterback they select. Please don't do that to that quarterback or this young receiver. He needs to be somewhere where, again, he could be nuanced alone. I think you get him on the diet that Christian Watson was on this past year. Jet sweeps, bang eights. Mm-hmm. You get him on those like those bang eights, skinny posts, where you can catch the ball and run. Get him running away from guys. Have him run straight across or straight down the field. You get, you get, you basically got to make his route tree kind of look like a. Uh, like a right angle. Anything in between <laughs> these two at that 90 degrees, that's what you're running. That's that's along the axis that you run. But 
I think he's going to be a good wide receiver too. It might he might go through a little bit of a growing pain like Christian Watson did this past year, but you can definitely see potential there for a good wide receiver too. Definitely, man. So as we head into day two, takes a lot of guys off of the board. You would think. How do you expect? Well, is there any guy that you expect to? sneak into round one that you wouldn't outside of BJ as you said that you would expect not many people think that's a round one player but from what you've seen you expect him to be there um I think a guy like Keon White from Georgia I Tech could definitely sneak into the back in the first round when I was in Mobile I was asking my friends like hey how big is Keon White because I thought he was at least like 260 265 he's 280 and he carries mm-hmm. that 280 real well mm-hmm. he measured in at the combine at 285 he looks ripped that is a rip 285. You worry a little bit because of Georgia Tech scheme. They had him playing inside a lot. I think he's another guy where he's an inside-outside versatile guy. I actually think you can play him a lot as a strong side end in a 4-3. You think of a team like New Orleans at 29. That's a New Orleans Saint type of player. Those big, strong, long dudes who will just try and run run you over in the pass, in the pass department. It can be solid against the run. Mm-hmm. That's those type of guys. I think he can definitely sneak into the back end of the first round. Um, I think a guy like Darnell Wright, tackle from Tennessee, I think he's potentially going to sneak into the back end of the first round. Exclusively, exclusively a right tackle, but dude's rock solid, strong, got strong hands and a strong grip. He sometimes gets a little over eager and causes him to miss sometimes, but you can't you can't fake what he did against Will Anderson in the passing game. That is, you see, you want to watch the Darnell Wright experience. You watch the Alabama game. That's the best of Darnell Wright. See, and that's exactly what I was just about to say right there. Like me personally, and I guess that just goes to show you how really good I think this tackle class is, at least at the top. But I got Darnell Wright as my tackle five. But I was talking somewhat earlier. Who, and granted, they were talking about specifically for the Packers, so I can respect why they said no. They said they didn't think he fit into the blocking schemes. But just in general, in terms of draft position, I, I questioned somebody who that I saw someone say they wouldn't draft uh, Darnell White at 15. And I'm like, is it because what, schematics or because you don't think he's a good enough player? Because I definitely take the, the, uh, him at 15. And a lot of people give the pushback that he's pure right tackle. I understand that, but Maybe it's – and I like to think that's one of the, my better parts of me being a scout. It comes from my fandom of me being a Philadelphia Eagles fan and seeing how Howie Roseman operates the team building process and all that. And I'd be damned if somebody tell me that Lane Johnson ain't important just because he's a right tackle. And first of all, some of these teams lining up their best pass rusher on the side of the right tackle. So – that kind of makes him just as important as the left tackle. Yeah, he's in pluck, protect the left and protecting the blind side. But if I got the best pass rusher coming to my face from this side, I would like to have some help over there. Mm-hmm. So I don't really view it of him being just a strictly right tackle as a problem. As long as you got guys along the, the, the offensive line. Like if you're trying to build a monster, I ain't, I ain't knocking you for picking him in the first round because, hey, always invest into the trenches. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's how you win football games. Yep. And along those lines, you think of another guy like Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That is a guy I've started to fall in love with late in the process. He's going to be 21 right before the season starts. There's a lot of runway for growth here, but what you see is a amazing athlete. I mean, tore up the combine. You can see the ability to move out in space. You see the strong hands, long arms. I think you worry a bit about the flexibility right now but man that is a really good athlete that is somebody i can bring in say hey we're gonna try we're gonna play you you just need to get reps let's see what happens i've seen him as high as 17 to pittsburgh i've seen him falling out of the first round but again that shows to tell you like this tackle depth is really good this tackle depth is great but if we're talking about a day two my guy my guy is jack campbell from Iowa, linebacker. Oh, that's my, yeah, let's that's talk my guy. about some football. I love me some Jack Campbell, man. That's 6'5", 249. You think Iowa linebacker, Big Ten, who's 6'5", 250, you think he's just a run downhill run stopper. No, sir. Jack, 
Jack Campbell can move in the passing game. He has such a great feel for zones and route distribution. And it's really cool to see him kind of operate in space. They played him a lot in the middle hook to curl area. There was a great play that I think perfectly encapsulates with Jack Campbell. It's against Ohio State. He's dropping into the hook to curl. He baits C.J. Stroud into an interception. And it's really cool to see. And that's somebody, you know, I can bring him in and he can be the mic possibly from day one. He's a day two draft pick. That's a guy that I can bring in and say, hey, let's go, let's go win some games with you and Mike. I he it's a it's kind of a lazy comp, but you do see the similarities to leading Van Der Esch a little bit. I think Van Der Esch is probably a little better sideline to sideline. I think yeah. Jack Campbell's lateral agility might be a little bit in question. I think being six five, you kind of gotta take on blocks a little better. But hey, you're six five, that's a lot of body to get down and get under pads. So that's an, that's my guy on day two. That's one of my guys on day two. I I draft him in a heartbeat. I can definitely understand that. And what, why I personally have Jack as my linebacker one mm-hmm. is because of the way modern def, modern NFL defenses are played and what Iowa asks their defensive players to do. Iowa plays a lot of like they understand they ain't got the overly talented players, and even if they did, they're not gonna play him if they're not a senior. Clearly. By Lucas Van Ness, mm-hmm. but they 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 understand they ain't got the the talent to match up with some of their Big Ten proteges and all this. So they gonna play a specific scheme and they gonna play it hard and they play a lot of quarters coverage, a lot of quarters mm-hmm. coverage, and just how he like you said how he he measures the middle of the field. I say measures lightly because I I wouldn't necessarily call him a really great coverage linebacker, but I feel like he has a really good feel of his range. Like, if you in his spot, he not going to let it happen. Now, you find a quarterback that's going to float the ball over his head and you expect him to make one of them Fred Warner escalades, probably not going to get that. But anything that's happening in his vicinity, he, he does a really good job of keeping everything in front of him. And I feel like he'd do a tremendous job being like, the, the green dot on an NFL defense, at least yeah. in one of the modern day NFL defenses today. Yeah, he's like those guy, those guys at the rec who only shoot mid range fadeaway jumpers. You know, <laughs> you know what's happening. He knows his range. He knows what he's good at. It's like when my dad plays basketball against us. He's just shooting bank shots at the elbow. It makes everybody else mad, but he knows what he's doing. He knows his limits. He knows his strengths, and Jack, that's what Jack Campbell does. He has a great feel for the game. It's something. A lot of linebackers need you need to be have a good feel for the game, a good feel for route distribution and spacing. And Jack Campbell does that. That's why he's my linebacker one. I I think he's a rock solid day two pick. That's one of that's one of my guys. I think another guy that I really think is going to be good in the NFL. Keanu Benton, defensive tackle, Wisconsin. He's going to be a day two guy. Super strong. Uh, he super strong, long arms, huge hands. When we were in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, he hit some dude in the chest. His hand just sounded like a shotgun went off. Dude's super strong. He's still trying. He's still developing a little bit as a pass rusher. Still working on pad level a little bit. But that's another guy. You bring him in. He can be a nose tackle. I think he can be a three tech. You can move him around a little bit. That's another guy who has a lot of high upside. High upside. But he's going to come in immediately. Be a really good run defender. So, what's your views on? Gosh, I really want to still learn how to say his name, but I do not want to. Bother. Oh, you're talking about Adetami Will Adibare? Yes, sir. That's that's my guy. Of course, Northwestern got got a shout out the Northwestern connection, but that's another dude who's going to come in. You worry a bit because he's kind of at, doesn't really have a position. I don't think he's an edge, but he is like six one, six two, two eighty two. Mm-hmm. He's got it's a great weight, two eighty two super long arms, and you can't fake the explosiveness. I mean, the 10-yard split, the combine was insane. Of course, everybody saw the 449-40 at 282 pounds. Just insane athlete. But he's coming in. He knows He knows leverage. He knows he's not the biggest guy or tallest guy, but he uses his hands and his long arms really well in the run game. That's something. Against Ohio State, he had a monster game, and he was able to displace a lot of guys in the run game because he knows leverage. He knows how to use his lack of height and his long arms to his benefit. I do think he's still coming along as a pass rusher, but I think that's a true 4-3. 
defensive tackle. I don't yes. think I don't think he's a three, four, two gapper. I want him a controller one gap, going, getting after the passer, go stopping the run on the way to the pass through one gap. Definitely, man. That, that's exactly that was, that was gonna be my next question. That's why I just got so excited because. I see a lot of people listing him as an edge, and when I listed him, I got him listed as an uh, interior defensive lineman because I just don't see it with him at edge. But I, I like him a lot, and that, when I seen him used as a three tech over at Northwestern, it was like, oh, okay, you 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 got something there. You you got that explosiveness. You just you you ain't got the arms to be playing with some of these tackles over there. That's the problem. He's he's not tall enough to play out on the edge, I don't think, but he can use that explosiveness in short in shorter range areas, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of tackles are gonna give you a runway as an edge rusher. They're they're gonna let you get into them, especially if you're a shorter guy. At deep to tackle in the interior, you don't have they don't have a runway. You get you get up and go. And that's something that Adam Kamua Adibare can do. Again, super solid day two guy. I think a team like the Browns would benefit a lot from bringing in Adetami Adibare, somebody who can potentially be a rock-solid starter. But you can bring him in on early downs right now as a rookie and immediately boost that run defense. Gosh, man. See, even with all that time I had to think, I still couldn't settle in. I think I'm, I'm going to go with my heart, what my heart told me to do. It's my day two guy because he's been my guy from the start of the year. From the start, from my time watching him doing summer scouting all the way up to this point, I fell in love with this player. I love me some Clark Phillips, man. Ooh, Clark that's, Phillips that's is one of them. That's one a- of them, man. And I, I, I hear a lot of people saying him coming in at 5'10". It, it was a bit of a question. Well, I understand you and your size, but that does not measure the heart of this dog in this fight. Mm-hmm. And I tell you that he plays like with, with all of that heart. And my favorite Clark Phillips story, I told this earlier in one of the previous podcasts, and I'm going to tell this every time I get the chance to mention Clark Phillips because it's just a beautiful story. But kid always was, wanted to be a football player. Family raised him up. They all like football. You know what it's like when you when Sundays come around, all the family sitting in front of the TV watching the ball. He always loved football. So by the time he was three, they really wanted to get him active in sports, but he wasn't old enough to play in flag football team around this area. So they got him into soccer. And as soon as he got on the soccer field, man, the first thing he did was ran and go tackle the kid with the ball. It was at that moment they knew, okay, we got a football player right there. And just that story right there from him being three all the way up to him at this very age, that just perfectly encapsulates what you getting in the prospect like just let me loose coach let me go do what i do i i just want to go ball and that's how you feel when you're watching clark man he's a more than willing tackler overly willing tackler I, he got beat one time by anthony richardson at the end but that's talk about that's trying to tackle ace super soldier right there that is <laughs> you know they don't make a lot of guys like anthony richardson I, <laughs> that will pass but he, he's he's a zone coverage demon, how I, how I personally put it. And I had somebody give me a similar comp when I had him on. We was talking DBs. They told me Asante Samuel Jr. I told him I'll raise you one and give me Asante Samuel Sr. Mm. He is a zone coverage demon. You put him, you you let him keep the game in front of him in that short area, cover two, ain't nothing getting past him. Not a thing. He ball is his. For, I think for a split time, he might still do but I can't remember. But I know he led the country in interceptions at a point. Extremely like productive six. on the ball. Just extremely productive. Ball. He has great ball skills, man. Great ball skills. Just competitive spirit, man. Everything about him. It was fun watching him versus Jackson Smith for Jigman in the Rose Bowl. It was yep. fun watching him versus Jordan Addison versus USC. He he had some really fun tape. Me personally, it was easy to follow. Like, well, I felt as comfortable watching him as I felt as watching Devon Witherspoon. And I don't think they're anywhere near the same prospect, but in terms of their skill set, how they play the game, like I feel, okay, that's one of them guys I want in my room right here. Mm-hmm. That's a guy. I think he also offers some positional versatility. I think you can start him out as the nickel. If you're worried about his height on the outside, you think of 
I think a perfect like ex- a perfect player comp for him right now is Darius Williams, corner for the Jaguars. I think he can play on the inside, he can play on the outside. He's a shorter guy, but his understanding of technique and his understanding of spacing, we talked about with Jack Campbell, his understanding of route distribution and spacing, it allows him to be incredibly productive on the ball. That's something you want as a nickel defender while also being a willing tackler. I'm not going to say the greatest tackler, but he's a willing tackler. You can move him inside and then say your outside corner gets cut in free agency, gets cut, walks in free agency, you have to trade him. You can move him to the outside. That's something that you can do. But I think Clark Phillips offers so much versatility because he's he's got such a good feel for the game. That is that is a certified ball knower on the outside. Mm-hmm. Man, like between him and Deontay Banks, I struggled exactly. Deontay Banks was who I was thinking about when I said I'm gonna save my cheat for day two for the second one for day two. Because I personally think Deontay Banks is a round one player. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went in round two. And kid is really good, man. Really, I can't. I don't know if it's the homer in me that love him so much. Because I mean, I live in the DMV area, so. But even outside of that, just watching him play football, I, I'm very comfortable with what I see from him in every position that's not off man coverage. Don't put him in that. He plays <laughs> aggressive press man. You want yes. a press man corner? That is who you want. That is somebody yes. who's going to get in your face. You need some tone setters on the outside. That's a tone setter at outside corner. He's going to try and use his length, his height, try and throw off receivers. He does it pretty well. But you can tell when he swings and misses, he's going to swing and miss badly. It's kind of like uh, White's, former White Sox player Adam Dunn. He hit, hmm. hit a lot of home runs. But when he doesn't hit the home run, he's going to strike out. And you're going to know. Oh, trust me, I know. Like I yeah, said, you're, you're going to know when he strikes he came out. came to Washington. Yep, you're going to know when he strikes out. Uh, and that's Deontay Banks. You don't want him in off man. I think he gets a little impatient. I think he gets a little over-aggressive in off man in zone coverage. But that's a guy, you think about Minnesota at 23 or 24, wherever they're picking. That Ooh. is that is a Brian Flores cornerback. See, you, you might got me there. All I've been linking about in terms of Deontay Banks was Baltimore. I feel like Baltimore is a beautiful spot. Use him in man press coverage. Just let you get up on him and basically give you free range on the outside. We're going to let you use your physicality. We're going to let you use your athleticism. Like he had this one rep against Purdue where he starts off in the inside shade. The dude goes outside release. And when I tell you it's not teach tape, do not do kids, do not try this at home. He literally does a 360 mid rap to get up with his dude, but he ain't lose no no steps. He's not yeah, behind. He, he backward like he's an athletic freak. Like yeah, outside, man. You don't want to you don't want to teach that. The coach is like, hey, don't do that again. But hey, <laughs> okay, that works. Don't do it again, please. Definitely, man. Definitely. Like just having a chance to watch him again. Another guy who, like you said about Clark Phillips, I personally think he has some position versatility. Seeing them and watching them in Maryland, the game I watched, I enjoyed watching thoroughly, as did I with everybody that Charlie Jones played against, was them against Purdue. And him seeing him get the chance to match up with Charlie Jones. I mean, Charlie Jones got the best of him a few times, but there was this one rep that stuck out with me. He was started out in the outside of the man coverage, ran the man on Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones went in motion, and he basically like rotated, he was communicating from the top, like, hey, okay. You take my man. He talks to the safety. Like, safety, rotate down. You got man. I'm top. I'm deep half safety now. So seeing him and, again, having the ability to keep the game in front of him right there, it's a really good rep by, his, by him on that point. So he offers some position versatility there. I I personally love just, like you said, the physicality of man press coverage, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's awesome to watch. A lot of people want to talk about their Joey Porter Jr. And I feel you. He He's just a demon, man, for us. I think he gets a bit handsy at the top of routes. Like, I, I'm concerned about him in the middle of the field. But Deontay Banks, I feel like he got that pure athleticism where you, you're not going to get me all out my bag when I'm on you. And I can keep up with you physically as well. Yeah, I think he's going to be a guy where you got to teach him a little bit technique-wise, try and get him to be a little more patient in off-man coverage, in zone coverage. But I think of teams that play a lot of man, that play Tampa 2, where you can let him press, 
And then if you're not going to play him in like, you don't want to play him in deep quarter zones or deep thirds where he's having to read things out. You want him locked onto a man for the entire sustainability of the play. You want him following him wherever he goes. What you think about the ball skills? I know there's a lot of made about the one career interception. I personally don't have a problem with it. I feel like he plays the ball really well. He click and closes very well. He He's one of them guys that I like to say he plays the game conservative. Like when you play in Madden and you got guys who play ball and guys who play receiver, he plays receiver. Yeah, it's it's a little worrisome just because of the style that he plays where if you're not making a lot of plays on the ball, that either means like they're not throwing it your way or you're getting beat. Right. Because that that's something that happens to Deontay Banks a lot where he's going he's going to aggressively press and like I said when he misses or when he whiffs, you're going to know because the receiver's going to be very open. But that's, a, again, I think that's something that can be taught. That's something that can be coached. And you send them to a guy like Brian Flores, that'll get coached into him for sure. Definitely, man. So as we get into day three, we, we kind of in sleeper territory now. All right. So we did, I don't know, I just noticed this. We did one day one guy, two day two guys. I'll do three day three guys. So. Okay. So two of them are from one school. One of them's from a, a different school. But my three day, my three day three, my guys. First one's At Perry from Wake Forest. That is my guy. I love watching At Perry. He is six four, two hundred five, runs a four four. That's that's a deep route guy. He makes contested catches. He can stack uh, DBs. He played in the Wake Forest offense, which is very 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 gimmicky with the slow mesh and stuff. But yeah. You see his ability to stack defenders as a 6'4", 205-pound receiver. He is, he's an exclusively outside guy, but he can potentially be something very special as a day three. Like you draft him early day three, that's a guy I, I'd be willing to take a swing on him every day of the week. If I'm a scout, I'm pounding the table for A.T. Perry. Next two guys are from UCLA. First one is Jake Bobo. I, I, I love me some Jake Bobo. I was pleasantly surprised by Jake Bobo. That is a big dude who can move. He can move his feet really well. I think he's a power slot in the NFL. I don't think he's an outside receiver. I don't think he has the quicks to be an outside receiver. I think he's a power slot. You get him in, he's a, he's a good blocker for his size. You get him on the inside where he can just beat up nickel DBs and be That's fast. Hit me on the Chip Kelly wire receiver. Look, man, I got got by Kyle Phillips. I'm not getting got again. <laughs> not gonna get me again, Chip Kelly. I'm I'm in on Jake Bobo. I had the idea flowed to me that you can put 20 pounds on him and move him to tight end. Sure, let's do that. I'm in on it, but I just want Jake Bobo on my team. And then I want his quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson. That is a guy I will get behind every day of the week. Yeah, the process might not look great, but it's gonna be so fun watching. It's going to be just crazy. He's going to, he's got experience in an RPO system. He can make plays out of structure. The arm strength kind of middling. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. I'd say it's fine. The accuracy kind of comes and goes. I think his biggest thing is he tries to do too much a lot. He'll bail on a pocket and miss a wide open read, but then like, He's really fast and a great athlete, so it make, he makes it work. This happened against Oregon where he misses a backside dig because he's locked on the Jake Bobo as a crosser, misses a dig wide open, bails out of the pocket, sees the running back wide open, throws at the running back, and it's a touchdown. So I'm like, yeah, the results work, but, hey, this process is not that great. So you worry about that a little bit, but, dude, he's just a fun player. And the thing I love the most is he is willing to do the dirty work. He goes out and blocks for his running backs. Brother, I was just about to say that, man. Like, the he one is, rep. I'm sorry, go ahead. He is a shit talker at quarterback. You need a shit talker at quarterback. You, you need a Dorian Thompson Robson on your team. You only need one Dorian Thompson Robson on your team, but you need a Dorian Thompson Robson. He's going to put his life on the line for this game. Like, the whole UCLA team is like, I mean, I know Chip Kelly's one of them guys who's you don't block, you don't get the ball type of guy. But 
I seen Dorian Thompson Robinson out there blocking. I don't remember if it was the Utah, both the Utah game and the Sun Bowl. He was out there blocking. Both the Utah game, the Sun Bowl, the USC game, he's getting out and blocking for, for the running backs. The Oregon game, he's getting out and blocking. I'm like, hey, man, okay, you, you really want to play. Like, all right, cool. It's not even just him, though. Like, you just mentioned Jake Bobo. The one – I remember a lot of Jake Bobo reps, but the one rep that stands out to me because it was actually hilarious, it was the first rep of the game, first play of the game against Oregon, and uh, UCLA ran a screen. And when I tell you that Jake Bobo pancaked the hell out of Christian Watts – well, Christian Gonzalez, he pancaked the hell out of Christian Gonzalez. But both of them so goddamn long that – Christian Gonzalez tripped the, the wide receiver up with his foot. Like, he made a tackle falling. And I'm like, wow. Like, who who lost this rep? Who, like, who did you There's give the win to? Sporting game where I was like, wow, this, this kid might be something. He had, they have him lined up as an H-back in the backfield. And he's digging out a linebacker on a same-side duel. I'm like, okay. Okay, sure. Let's, let's play this game. I'm in on this. But that, Jake Bobo is another guy I love. I think – He's a great day three guy you want to bring in. Like, hey, he can develop into a good power slot in the NFL. He can develop him into a tight end. Then just a few extra guys I think I I like in this range. Um, Chandler Zavala from NC State, catch, catching, a, catching a lot of steam recently. He's a great zone blocking guard. I think his agility, his knowledge of uh, run stunts, knowledge of defensive line play helps him a lot. And then another guy is B.J. Thompson from Stephen F. Austin. He killed it at the East-West Shrine game. Right now, he's an, ed- he's an edge rusher. He is built like a basketball player. He's 6'5", 250. He's all arms and legs right now. You want to get him into a weight room that's not Stephen F. Austin, with all due respects to Stephen F. Austin. The NFL weight room and training is a lot different from what they probably have at Stephen F. Austin. But he's got juice, and he's got bend. You can see it, and I see it, and I'm like, hey, I can turn this into something. I, you can be something. Give me, give me time. Give me, like, three, four years on this. Then we'll see what we got. Hey, man. Sheesh. That was going to be a hard top. Okay, if I had to start with one, I got to start with the guy I just said a second ago when I was talking about cornerbacks. I mean – it was hard for me to watch any cornerback in this class. I got like feel like my top eight. And I feel like I see I was watching. It got to a point where I feel like I was watching Charlie Jones film. You feel like all of them played <laughs> against Purdue, and I'm like, why do everybody play against Purdue? But Charlie Jones is so fun, man. Charlie Jones doesn't yeah. present to you anything that's a a number one NFL receiver. As does a lot of these people in this class. It's, it's hard to find one, as we said. But when I tell you Charlie Jones is as reliable as they come. I like to say great value, Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> he he doesn't <laughs> run the routes like Jackson Smith and Jigba does, but he he is as precise in terms of his route running. The difference between them two is Jackson got a little blend of I can run a precise route head whip, get right here on three steps. I could also run this sit this seven step to eight and cross here because I know ain't nobody at the second level and I'm be, be wide open. That's the difference mm-hmm. between Jackson and Charlie right there, but. Charlie is as precise as they come in the routes that he runs. He, you, you, how I put it down on my notes is quarterback's best friend. If he got to come back to the ball, he can come back to the ball. He's where you expect him to be. He plays the ball aggressively when it's in the air. He offers a whole lot of special teams. I mean, he was viewed as a kick return guy for most of his careers until he got here. Shout out to Aiden O'Connell. That's the best best friend in the world that you can have. Best best friend. I I need Aiden O'Connell as my best friend. <laughs> if Aiden O'Connell gonna get me out of Iowa, he's my best friend too. <laughs> yeah, man. Charlie Jones is a professional route runner. He knows all the nuances, all the ins and outs. I don't think he is a true outside receiver, but there is gonna be a time where your favorite team is playing Charlie Jones, and he's gonna catch a eight. He's gonna catch a nine yard route on third and eight in the fourth quarter, and it's just going to piss you off so much because that's what Charlie Jones does. That is a chain mover. He's going to catch a touchdown and late in the game. He's going to be so mad. It's like, why don't we cover Charlie Jones? That is, that's that type of guy. And it's not going to matter who you put on him. I, again, like I said, I have reps with him against – I got right here in my notes a rep against him versus Joey Porter Jr. where he just absolutely snatched the ball out of the air on a slant. It was like, ooh. 
Like, and Joey's generally physical. It was man yeah. press coverage, and, and Charlie was like, okay, get off me right quick. This is my ball. And it was like, oh, okay. I see you. That's nice to know that you have this in your bag, like just the reliability. I, I look at it like Wes Wilker and Julian Edelman-esque. That he's a very Patriots player. He is such a Patriot player. Like I, I understand the entire jokes about the Patriots getting all the white receivers. I can assure that this is such a Patriots player. <laughs> They'll draft him on day three, and he's going to catch like this 15-yard seam route up the middle for a touchdown against your favorite team. You're gonna, you're gonna be so mad. It's gonna, it's gonna make you very mad. And I'm just like, hey, that's the Charlie Jones special. Jones to Jones. Yep. Who the hell is Jones? <laughs> yep. It's gonna it's gonna make people so mad. There are gonna be so many tweets. They might have Charlie Jones trending. Like he's gonna <laughs> be trending one day. It's like, hey, that that's what he does. Okay, my second guy I get to is Olusun Olu with Timmy. Um it's clearly noted I'm an Ohio State fan, so it pains me at this point. <laughs> but Man, when I tell you the heart and soul of probably the best offensive line in the nation over the last two years, hey, he he's really good. I that's that's one of the way, the, the simplest ways to pull it, man. If you watch Blake Corm and how successful he was, a lot of his Michigan didn't run a lot of stretch and all this stuff to try to get him to the outside. It was literally off tackle, run behind your blockers, power. Excuse me, watch out. We coming through, and the offensive lines led by Olu Timmy was part of the problem. A four year starter for the Wolverines. I mean, just a very intelligent football player, man. Very intelligent quality. He got quality hand placement. I do think that it can be all from time to time, but I mean, when you play with an offensive line so talented, some of your, your blemishes can be hidden. But again, he I, I feel like this is one of them classic, kind of like another guy from Michigan a, a, a couple years back. Um, Patriots guard, are you talking about Unwenu? Yep, just yeah. like him. Where you I, I watched him and I was like, man, it's gonna be a late round pick, but he's gonna be really good, he's gonna be a starter for so long in this league for somebody's team. I watched Olu with Timmy and said the same thing, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest thing I worry about with Timmy, I think he struggles to anchor a little bit in the passing game sometimes, a little bit little bit concerning, but an incredibly, incredibly smart player. Coaches rave about him. Scouts love him. He's so smart. He's somebody you can get into a gap scheme, and you can have a rock-solid starter. Definitely, man. And my last and final, it's only right we're talking about my guys that we got to this point. I've loved this player forever. I feel like me personally, he'd be a top three running back on my board if he didn't have the injury history that he did, but he does, and I apologize for that. But Mo Ibrahim is a demon. <laughs> he is hashtag good, as one of my guys would put it. Yeah, that is he is built like a fire hydrant, but man, it is he is hard to tackle. I think he measured it like what five seven, two fifteen. Like that, that's a hard dude to tackle, and he keeps his legs low to the ground. The injury history is very concerning. Very concerning, man. Like I felt so bad. I think he I think the streak was at seven at that game of hundred consecutive yards. hundred games, I mean games in a row with hundred consecutive yards. That streak still hasn't died since he had an injury and came back and went through a whole nother season. That goes to show how good he was. But I remember watching up close and personal that first game against Ohio State, where he had 150 yards in the first half, guys. Like he was <laughs> torturing. And then when he went down. Right before half, it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's so good. No. Yep. Again, just just the extensive injury history is something that probably red flag for a lot of teams. It's going to be someone. I feel like it's going to be someone that takes a chance on him because he's just too talented of a runner for someone not to have on their team. It's almost criminal. Yeah, and I think – to go along with the injury history, one of the things I think scouts worry about is he's got a lot of tread on those tires. Yeah. Minnesota ran him into the dirt yeah. this year. You you think about the Iowa-Minnesota game. I just pulled it up. 
So Minnesota had 399 total yards in the game. Mo Ibrahim had 263. <laughs> he had 39 carries in the game. Nobody else had over six. They were – it was Mo Ibrahim's – is Mo Ibrahim's team. It is Mo Ibrahim's game. The, play, the game plan is give the ball to Mo Ibrahim and get out the way. Also added on a catch. So <laughs> – he was getting the ball every single play. Iowa knew what was happening. We all knew what was happening. The 263 yards, man. That's they were giving him the ball all the time. Between him and John uh Michael Schmidt, it it was kind of like you know that I know you've seen the video uh um Greg Jennings. He was like, gotta put the team on my back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly, man. Exactly. It's like it's like those uh, those memes you see of the dudes pushing the car, and there's a guy <laughs> sitting in the car making it a lot harder to push the car. <laughs> push the car, Mo Ibrahim and John Michael Schmitz. Everybody else in the car. <laughs> Everybody else chilling. And they're like, hey, man, can y'all help us out a little bit? No. Another Mo Ibrahim carry for four yards because that's what Mo Ibrahim does. I think you bring him in, he can be a goal line back. He can be a short yardage back. I worry a little bit about long speed, and that's due to the injuries and, the, again, the tread on the tires. But, dude, that's just a fun player, real fun player. Definitely, man. Oh, my goodness, man. This was this was a joyous time, a joyous time. I wish we could go all day, man, but I won't keep you here forever. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me anytime. I, I love talking ball, love talking draft. Anytime you need me on, I'm here. Definitely make that happen again soon, man. You know, until then, it's all about the boom here at the Boom of the Podcast.